Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the We Know Fantasy Dynasty and Debbie podcast. Uh, I am your host, Will, joined tonight by Nick, and this is our second full episode. We did our, our initial rankings that we split into a double episode to start, uh, and now we're going to be back following uh, week 14. So unfortunately, some of you are going to be done at this point, having either missed the playoffs or had some poor results here in week 14. So we figured this would be a good time to start jumping into the Debbie content. Uh, so this is going to be our risers and fallers episode. Uh, but before we get going, just wanted to remind you guys that we do still have a full slate of content coming out every week. So on Monday, remember, we're going to have our waiver wire wish list. So those are the guys that you're going to want to pick up uh, for those of you that are still alive in your playoff matches. Tuesday is going to be an episode of Samuels and Schlanger. Wednesdays, we'll have Nate and a guest come on to talk all things fantasy. Thursday is going to be our contributors pod, so you'll get a a group of our contributors together to, to chat what's going on in the fantasy world. Fridays, we'll get another episode of Samuels and Schlanger. Saturday, we'll get our DFS pod, so we'll give you some, some lineups to hopefully make some money on the daily fantasy side. And then Sundays, we'll be trying to get out our Dynasty and Debbie pod. Um, so apologies again that uh, our, our pod this week is out a little bit late. Uh, we've had some personal stuff going on, so hopefully you can forgive the tardiness. And then remember, every day, every Sunday before the games... Uh, we'll try and get Brian on Twitch to talk through any start sits or last minute questions that you guys have. So in the meantime, anytime you're looking, you can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the We Know Fantasy brand, or you can find our articles posted to the web at weknowfantasy.com. So again, our topic today is going to be incoming rookies, risers, and fallers. Uh, we're going to start off with our fallers uh, so that we can talk through the guys who you may want to be a little bit apprehensive of, um, and then we'll get to our risers, guys who we think are probably at this point undervalued. Um, so if you have any early drafts, these are guys that you might be able to get some steals on uh, during your rookie drafts coming up. So I'm going to go ahead and kick us off with a faller, uh, and my first faller is going to be running back Trey Sermon. Um, he is... From Ohio State, he's 6'1", 215. He is a four-year player at Ohio State and had fairly high expectations coming into this year. Um, he was kind of expected to be the guy this year after kind of splitting, you know, J.K. Dobbins, obviously. Everybody knows about him. Uh, so with him leaving, the thought was Trey Sermon was going to step in, kind of be the lead dog this year. And as the season has gone on, it's, it's become clear that uh, he's been outplayed by Master Teague. Um, so his workload has actually just uh, completely cratered this year. He's only got uh, 55 attempts so far, granted in only five games, but uh, that, that's not the workload that we were expecting. So it, it really puts up some red flags on him. Uh, so he is someone that I would probably be avoiding and, and not taking until the later rounds of rookie drafts. Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, Trey Sermon going to Ohio State is was kind of intriguing to me, um, knowing, you know, Master Teague was there. Granted, Master Teague wasn't, you know, setting the world on fire when Sermon transferred. But um, like you said, Master Teague's outplayed him. Trey Sermon, to me, has totally fell off the map. I don't even have him in my top 20 running backs in this incoming 2021 uh, running back class. So, um, you know, depending on landing spot and where he can go, that could change. But as of right now, I'm staying far away from Trey Sermon. All right, Nick, who do you got? All right, for me, so my first uh, faller, so to speak, was a guy I actually had high hopes on coming into the season, um, C.J. Verdell. 
Uh, Riddell's 5'10", 210. Great size for a running back. Um, I actually had him as a you know preseason top 10. Um, it just seems as though he's been phased out of the offense. I know their last game there was this weird situation where he went to the locker room um, before halftime and just sat in there until um, the team came in at halftime and then remained in there when the team came back out after halftime. So I don't know if there's something going on with the coaching staff there or what, but um, through five games this season, he's only got 65 carries for 285 yards, um, three touchdowns, which I guess it's okay for five games. But the interesting part is um, only nine receptions through five games. And I thought that, you know, that was kind of an indictment on his production. Um, I don't know if they've turned full, if Oregon Ducks have fully turned to uh, uh, Travis Dye, so to speak. But for me, Verdell, like I said, preseason, he was top 10. Um, he's fallen out of my top 10. I kind of got him somewhere around like the 13, 14 range right now. Um, I'm hoping that jumps up because I was excited about him coming into the season. But for right now, Hopefully he plays Friday night against USC and we can see something out of him and see where he gets drafted at. Yeah, I, I can definitely echo the uh, higher expectations for Verdell. I know I've got a buddy that's a, an Oregon Ducks fan uh, and he's been excited for Verdell for a few years now. Um, and it's, so it's really disappointing to see him kind of really just slow down this year almost. Um, you know, I, I hope he gets decent draft capital and, and gets a shot in the NFL because I do think he did flash some upside back when he was playing with uh, with Herbert. Um, and in fact, I would I would say, you know, I think the offense ran more through Verdell than through Herbert. So seeing what Herbert's been able to do, you know, maybe there's a chance that in the right circumstance in the NFL, he'll be able to get it going again. But yeah, it, it's always disappointing to see uh, older players struggle down the stretch of their career. All right, so for my next faller, uh, I'm going to go somewhere a little personal. Um, for those of you who don't know yet, I am a, an Iowa Hawkeye fan. Uh, so for my faller, I'm going to go with quarterback Brock Purdy of Iowa State, one of our bitter rivals. Um, he is 6'1", 212, so pretty decent size for a quarterback. Um, had pretty high expectations coming into this year. Um, he is only a junior, so there's there's no sure thing that he'll be coming out in this draft, but uh, he's currently projected to be a decent quarterback prospect. Um, however, after watching him play against my Hawks for three years, um, I, I'm just not that sold on him as an NFL prospect. Uh, he's been hovering right around 66% completion for his entire career. Um, and actually his highest completion percentage was 66.4 as a freshman. Um, so he's not uh, been improving there and his yards per attempt has, or yards per completion have actually dropped each of the three years that he's played. So while he's gotten better with ball security, um, he, he just, he hasn't progressed the way that you would like to see from a quarterback, um, you know, getting used to the system, um, you know, learning what their coaches want and just being more comfortable in the game. Yeah, for sure. I think it's interesting um, you pointed out about it being his junior year and he is eligible to return next season. Um, I actually think that's the best scenario for him personally. Um, I don't see him in the, as a top 10 quarterback in this class, to be honest with you. Like, I see guys like Ellinger and Kellen Mond um, actually being drafted ahead of him and being more productive in the NFL level at this point. Um, so I do 
kind of think it would be best for Purdy to, of course, I, I can't make the decision for him, um, but I think Purdy's best option is to go back to Iowa State and play another season. Um, but just keep in mind, he's going to have to contend next year with guys like Sam Howell and Keaton Slovis for, you know, top running, or I'm sorry, top quarterback honors. All right, so for me, uh, my second faller, uh, big name here actually for a lot of people who, you know, follow Debbie and, you know, um, dynasty rookie, incoming rookies, uh, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, Oklahoma State running back, uh, nice size, you know, six foot two ten uh, range. Um, he opted to come back this season. Um, well, he's opted out since, but uh, he opted to come back this season for um, another year when he was eligible to come out last year. I actually think he hurt his stock by doing so. I think he should have came out last year. Um, I don't want to get the talent mixed up. He is a talent. He's a burner. Um, he's got track speed. I believe he ran track. He's from Canada. Um, I think he was like a. a, a I don't want to say All-American. I don't know what they would call him there, but whatever the, the Canadian equivalent is to an All-American. But he's just had a terrible season. Seven games played, 139 attempts for 625 yards. Yeah, that's 4.7 yards per touch, but only five touchdowns and only eight receptions in seven games. Um, we both know, well, you know, in today's NFL, you want running backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield pretty consistently. Um, and for me, Chuba Hubbard has dropped. He was probably RB3 coming into the season for me. Um, and I got him kind of around the 10 range right now. I know that sounds surprising, but yeah, there's some guys up there that I take ahead of them, including a guy you have on your uh, risers list. Yeah, that uh, actually brings up a really good point. Um, when you were talking about his decisions this year to, um, you know, opt to come back and then opt out. And, and I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts. Um, we've seen that with a few prospects now. What, what do you think that's going to do to draft doctor? Do you think NFL teams are going to look at it as quitting on the team this year? Or does this year just get an asterisk with COVID and um, just the unprecedented times are going to make, you know, a lot of teams basically just give kids a pass. This yeah, year? I, 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 I'm kind of with the, the asterisk, you know, for the season. Um, it's been a weird year, uh, you know, the COVID thing, no one knows how to treat it. Um, there's obviously fear amongst players and their families and stuff. So, you know, I can understand it. Um, I don't really look at it as quitting. He was having a bad year. I, I don't think he wanted to risk an injury or something like that and hurting his draft capital even more. Um, so I think the opting out was probably the best thing for him. Um, I just wish he would have came out last year. You know what I mean? He, he yeah. is, like I said, he's a talent. The guy, the kid's got speed. Um, he's got nice size. I just, you know, I think a landing he he's going to be landing spot dependent. He has to land on a good team. Like I think if Chuba Hubbard lands on like an Atlanta Falcons or, or or you know a team like that or an Arizona Cardinals type team, I think he has value. But right now, man, I don't see him being a three down back. Honestly, well, yeah, yep, that's a great point. And uh, side note for our listeners, just like Nick said, really going to be focusing. on and trying to identify are those guys that are going to have that three backs skill set. So it's the the guy of the size enough to be a goal line back, um, but then also the guys who don't have to come off the field in third and long situations, because um, those those are really the touches you in fantasy football. Those are the ones that are worth the most. So we're going to be steering toward those guys, um, and especially kind of in your later rounds of rookie drafts. So you're you know once, once you get into the third, fourth, fifth round. Um, you know, you can take some flyers on guys that project into some of those partial roles a little bit better than some of the guys who are going to be the first and second down plotters that aren't necessarily get receptions. 
so I'm going to hop back over. Um, and so we, we've covered some running backs and a quarterback. Uh, I'm going to give a wide receiver prospect who I view as falling. Um, and I'm going to preface this by saying it has nothing to do with the talent. Um, my player is Rondell Moore, wide receiver from Purdue. Uh, and more to the fact that I was so excited watching him play back when he was a freshman. Um, he burst onto the scene, was awesome. I was, you know, immediately caught my interest and I just loved watching the dude play. He's so explosive. Um, had a season ending injury his sophomore year, ended up opting out before this year when the Big Ten wasn't going to play, opted back in, uh, didn't play to start the season. I don't know that I ever saw, you know, what was going on there. Uh, and so really has only played a couple games this year. And I, I just really wonder how NFL teams are going to look at this long layoff between seeing him dominate uh, from the beginning of his sophomore year was really the last time that he consistently was dominating. Um, granted, in the Big Ten, which is a good football conference, so you know he's got the chops to do it, especially doing it at a young age. Um, but once you, you know, you've got the year off for an injury and then you only play a couple games here, uh, in your third year in college. And I, I just, you know, I don't know how they're going to view that. It, it's, it raises some questions. Yeah. I mean, I definitely see your point of view. I was actually kind of shocked to see Rondell more on your fallers list. Um, you know, granted it's definitely, you know, um, sort of, I, I respect it. I see where you go with it. I see the longevity and the durability. Um, you know, part of me thinks because they have another re- great receiver who's not eligible to come out yet, David Bell, um, there. And with Rondell Moore having two games this season, where I think he had 13 plus receptions. You know, I I didn't feel as feel as though he fell, but it feels though he wrote. You know, um, you know, was able to rise his stock for me. Um, you know, but I definitely see where you're going. His size is a concern. I believe he's only five nine. Um, Correct. Yep. You know that. I know a lot of people comparing him to Tyreek Hill. I, I wish people would pump the brakes with that. Um, <laughs> you know, he hasn't played it down yet in the NFL. And Tyreek Hill, if I'm not mistaken, if he is 5'9", which I think he may be a little taller, he's solid. Tyreek Hill's a, you know, he's he's stocky. He's got he's got some arms. If you've ever seen the kid with the cutoffs on, I mean, he's got some biceps. He's got some swole. So, um, you know, Rondell Moore is a little on the smaller side, so to speak, but you know, I wish those comparisons would stop it. You know, like I will I said, say I, that that's true on the upper body, Nick. But uh, I do remember those uh, the little notes they were having his rookie year or his uh, freshman year when they were talking about his squats because uh, he was putting up some huge squat numbers. So he's got the leg power. It's just the uh, the upper body strength that might be lacking. Will be the problem. Yeah. And that could be a problem at the next level, you know, like you pointed out. So. You know, he's one of those talents I'm interested to see. You know, like, you know, we're seeing an influx of these smaller wide receivers coming into the NFL and playing, you know, a better game. You know, got guys that stick out to me right away, like, you know, Tyree Kill, Deontay Johnson. You know what I mean? Like, they're kind of guys that have smaller frames and who are able to ball on, you know, certain games and in certain situations. So I think it's going to be remain to be seen. Um, you know, let me ask you this. Where do you have them roundabout in your wide receiver uh, rankings, tier wise? Not not necessarily a spot, but like in a tier. Second yeah, tier, so third so tier. I've got him right now as my wide receiver six, um, but he's really the top of my third tier. Okay. Um, so I've got a, a tier of three. That's kind of the the big name folks. The Jamar Chase, who's opted out this year, and then the two Alabama wide receivers um, are kind of my first tier there. 
And then I really like uh, Terrence Marshall Jr., who uh, is leading LSU in receiving this year, and Chris Olave out of Ohio State. I'm I'm very, very high there. Um, but uh, after that, then Rondell Moore is going to lead that next year because we've seen him produce at a young age. Um, but again, with the questions, it, it just feels like there are some guys who may haven't necessarily put up as big a season as Moore did his freshman year, but uh, have less question marks and have a more filled out production profile. Yeah, I definitely think that's a fair tier, honestly, like because that's kind of where I'm viewing them now. So, so for me, like if if you're in a super flex, you know, tight end premium draft, you know, you're looking at grabbing a roundout more in the second round, which it, it could be a good thing. You know what I mean? Like th- th- that's pretty decent value as far as I'm concerned. If you're like at the two hundred four or two hundred five, grabbing a roundout more in a super flex. I wouldn't be, or I'm sorry, maybe even later, 206, 207, to be honest with you. So, all right, I'll jump into my third follower here. For me, it was another guy that um, kind of surprised me this season, uh, Seth Williams, wide receiver out of Auburn. Uh, he's got great size, 6'3", 212, which kind of is, you know, the size of a, a, you know, wide receiver coming into the NFL that they look for. Uh, he's another guy who's a junior who is, uh, who is eligible to come back another season which I don't know if he will do it. I think he is going to go to the draft. But if I'm advising him, I think he, he should go back for another season, especially since Bo Nix is not eligible to come out and he'll get another year um, as a junior to uh, play. So it would be three years playing with Bo Nix. He just has been super underwhelming this year. I actually think the other wide receiver on the team, Anthony Schwartz, has totally outplayed him and raised his uh, draft stock higher than Seth Williams at this point. Um, but through 10 games, he's only got 42 receptions. Uh, and only four touchdowns. He didn't even show up against Alabama. He had a, a drop where he was wide open. Um, and to, for me, when you're playing in the SEC and you're a big time or supposed to be a big time wide receiver, you got to show up against the big teams, the Alabamas, the LSUs, um, the Floridas. Um, Thirty games you got to ball out in in order to keep your stock where it's at or to even raise it. Wait, you mean you actually have to show well against NFL prospects? You, definitely you can't just do. beat up on the uh, the Vanderbilts of the world? No. No, I, I'm with you there. And, and you bring up a great point about Bo Nix. Uh, and that's one thing um, I will admit I need to go back and do a little bit more is um, on these, these receivers and the running backs is go out and check the talent level around them in the years. Um, because one thing in college, like great players are going to put up some stats. But having great players around you can really um, put you over the top and, and make your stats pop. So one of my pre-draft um, rituals is, is always going back and making sure I have a better understanding for, you know, what was the talent level around folks? Like you, you get someone coming out of Alabama. Um, I mean, you see the numbers that Mac Jones is putting up right now. And um, while he's getting some draft buzz, you're going to see a lot of people looking at his stats and saying, oh, well, he should be, you know, right up there with the top quarterbacks being drafted. Um, but when you've got, you know, two of the top three wide receiver prospects and coming out in the draft uh, on your team to throw to, they can make you look really good. Not to say that Mac Jones isn't a good uh, quarterback. He, he is a good quarterback. Um, but there's, you know, this minimum level of competence that if you're that good and you've got great talent around you, it can really pull you up personally. Um, so, you know, knowing that he's going to have Bo Nix, uh, kind of getting back to Seth Williams here gives him a really nice opportunity to rebound next year. Um, and I mean, honestly, I think that's going to be his best shot. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
and, yeah, and it's that, a deep receiver class this year again. So, and I think uh, that's the reason why he. Sh- I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off there, Will, but no, you're good. Um, I think that's the reason why. Like I said, I don't think he's going to uh, forego the draft. Um, I think he is going to enter the draft and be drafted, but. I think he could raise his stock kind of like a, a Tyler Wallace did for Oklahoma State this year. Granted, Wallace had the injuries, the ACL injury and all, um, and that's the reason why he came back because he wanted to show that he could still play at the collegiate level before getting drafted. And I think he raised his stock. You know, Tyler Wallace was probably outside the top 10, you know, or top 12 uh, heading into last year if he would have went into the draft. And now this year coming out, I think he kind of – you know, he may be at that 12th spot, so to speak. So – I kind of would like to see Seth Williams, you know, for his sake, go back, play another year with an ex- already experienced, established quarterback and uh, rapport with Bo Nix. And, you know, maybe he could be a top five, top six wide receiver next year. Yeah, I like it. Um, so let's go ahead and switch gears now. We, we've kind of talked about some of the guys who were a little bit down on, at least where we from where we were coming into the season. Um you know, so those are some guys to kind of keep in mind, maybe bump down your boards a little bit. Um, not that they're necessarily undraftable, but, uh, you know, part of what you're trying to do in a fantasy football draft is avoid landmines that you're going to put on your team and they're not going to produce for you. So instead, let's start focusing now on our risers, who are guys who we think you can probably get um, a little bit later than where they should probably be going. Um, so the, these are guys that we're pretty excited about. Um, so I'm going to start us off with a wide receiver and a name you might recognize. Um, it's Amon Ra St. Brown coming out of USC. Um, he's got some brothers that have played some football. Um, but in my opinion, Amon Ra is going to be the best one of the St. Brown brothers. And, uh, you know, he's been at USC. They haven't played a lot of games this year. The Pac-12, you know, was was not going to play for a while. Um, but he's been really consistent and actually his, his stock is probably jumping up a little bit right now. Um, cause of the, what was it? Four touchdowns in the first quarter, uh, a week or two ago. Yeah. Uh, two weeks, two weeks ago. Yep. He's got yeah. six touchdowns in his last two games. So yeah, it's, it's one of those where it's like, I, I wish sometimes these guys would just cool it until they get to the league so that they could, you know, fly under the radar for us and, you know, we can get them late second round. But uh, yeah, he's he's put up a thousand yards last year. Um, he's been really consistent over his three years uh, in terms of his average uh, yards per reception, um, and he's really he's just a very very solid wide receiver prospect that I'm excited to see where he actually lands in the NFL draft because he's one of those guys that if he falls somewhere that has a true alpha that's you know starting to age out. Um, he could be one of those guys that giving a year to develop against secondary coverage um, could develop into, in my opinion, um, you know, one of those root technicians that is going to be able to carry an offense down the road. Yeah, for sure. Um, when I actually seen him on your list, I was like, oh, man, he he picked one of my, you know, the guys who I'm crushing on right now. Um, I'm in Ross St. Brown has just been absolutely lights out. Um I mean, it even goes back to kind of last season. Uh, and then Pittman, Michael Pittman Jr. leaves, and then Amon Ross St. Brown steps up this season and becomes a leader um, on an offense with other great wide receivers like Tyler Vaughns and Drake London. So USC is kind of loaded to wide receiver position, but I think St. Brown ha- is the alpha on that team and is the clear number one. 
his landing spot, I think, is very interesting. I almost feel his he's landing spot proof, so to speak. I think he can produce almost anywhere. As an Eagles fan, I would love to see the Eagles take him. I would love to see the Eagles take him in the second round. I think his, his you know, NFL draft, um, they, they're, you know, a day tour, second rounder, and grabbing a Amon Ross St. Brown, I would love it as an Eagles fan. But, um, like I said, I just think he's – landing spot proof at this point. I think he's a solid wide receiver. Uh, I don't usually like to do comparisons or anything like that, but if I was comparing him to a guy from last year's class, granted not on that level, but he's close to the same body type and, you know, play of Justin Jefferson. I'm not going to say he's at Justin Jefferson level, um, but I do think, you know, he reminds me of a Justin Jefferson. Yeah. I got to ask from the Eagles perspective, if uh, he were to go there, are you looking for Wentz to St. Brown or are you looking for Hurts to St. Brown? I'm a Wentz truther, so um, I, I do think Wentz is talented. I don't, I don't know what's what the deal is. I don't know if they need a coaching change. Um, I don't see the Eagles trading him. Um, just the money is too much. You know, people talking this 25 million. Yeah, it's that, but it's actually a 60 million cap hit over the next two years, regardless. So, yeah, I can't see the Eagles, you know, willing to eat that, so to speak. Um, you know, and I actually, I'm, I'm going to say it on this podcast, screw it, because uh, I know we talked about it in the chat, but a, kind of a conspiracy theory I, I've been thinking to myself is why not put Jalen Hurts out there, showcase him, hope he does well, and trade him and try to land a, a, a second or a third round pick to one of these teams who, you know, who, who played well, like a Colts, who have a late second or a late third. You know what I mean? And if they're yep. interested in, in trading for Jalen Hurts, um, I don't think you'd get the draft capital as one of those higher up teams, you know, like one, you know, um, like, a, like a Lions or something like that. Although the Lions could be in the market for a quarterback, but I don't think it's a bad idea going forward. So, you know, if you still believe in Wentz and you don't want to eat the money, let Hurts do well the next three games, trade him for a pick or two. And start all over, you know, build, you know, build your offensive line and and get some more weapons for Wentz. Hey, it sounds good to me because I will admit I am probably too heavily invested in Wentz and Dynasty. So anything we can do to help him out, I'm I'm all for. Uh, So my first riser there was Amon Ra St. Brown. Nick, who do you have at your first riser? Okay, my first riser is Ramondre Stevenson, Oklahoma running back. Um, he's a bull. Um, he's six foot two forty five. He's huge. He's a big man. He's a guy that probably wasn't even on people's lists um, heading into the season and up until the last four games because he was serving a suspension from last season from two thousand nineteen. But in four games, I mean, he Kennedy Brooks was out hurt um, for Oklahoma and he's pretty much put uh, TJ Pledger to the bench. But over four game span, he's got sixty five carries for three hundred eighty two yards and six touchdowns. And he's also got 14 receptions for 175 yards. Like I said, he's six foot 245. I don't see him being an every down back as far as um, the NFL level, but I think he becomes a, a, a top 20 running back now for, for you know, rookie uh, drafts. Um, and uh, I had the, the player who I want to compare him to, and I can't remember who it was. See, shouldn't I should have wrote it down, but I just see him being that guy who, you know, Steals the goal line, um, you know, carries. I'm not going to compare him to Derrick Henry, not at all. But that's not to say it can't happen, but he's just a guy who I feel like you could steal really late, kind of like a fourth-round rookie draft, and could possibly have upside for you. 
Yeah, I like it. That was the exact question I was going to ask is, is, you know, about when would you be targeting him in a draft? Because, um, you know, like I had kind of noted before, when you get into those later rounds, these, these are the types of guys that we're talking about. Of You, you want to find someone who's going to be able to specialize in something that's very, very valuable. Um, you know, goal line opportunities. Score, you know, one touchdown at six points in fantasy for most leagues. So, um, yeah, I, I love guys with this size. Um, like you said, I, I would love to see him be a little bit more involved in the passing game. I think he's only got uh, 14 receptions this year so far. Um, so it's not like he can't catch, but he, he's not heavily involved in the the passing game plan. So it's something that I would, you know, I, I love to see all running backs work on their hands um, and so that they don't have to come off the field in third downs. But... Um, yeah, someone that's 240 pounds. Um, I mean, you get him in the, the meeting rooms and people are going to look at him and you know what his role is going to be. So uh, I like that call, especially for a, a later round running back. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and honestly, you know, you can kind of look at, we'll, we'll see where he gets drafted to because if, if he can get up and, and get some decent draft capital, you know, you can shoot him up your board a little bit too. Um, cause that, that's one of my big keys is, you know, let's see what the NFL has to say about them. Uh, you can't go 100% by draft capital, but, um, boy, the, those guys that do get draft capital definitely get a lot more chances for sure. All right. So my second riser, um, is going to be a tight end, uh, which you don't tend to see that many of early in fantasy drafts. Uh, but this guy's going to be one of the exceptions. It's Kyle Pitts out of Florida. Um, the dude is a monster. He's six foot six, two forty six. Um, I mean, just just huge. Uh, he's just a machine. Um, he is too big for most coverage uh, players. You know that your cornerbacks, your your safeties to guard. Um, and if you ever get him matched up on a linebacker, he's just going to outrun him. Uh, it, it's just <laughs> it's just not fair right now. I, I think he's got double digit touchdowns already, which you, you just don't tend to see in college very often. Um, uh, he just, he looks ready right now to go out and be a pro. So I'm super excited. Um, I will preface it and say, you know, I don't know that he's going to necessarily produce day one in the NFL because rookie tight ends rarely do. Um, but when you're trying to project who's going to turn into a great tight end, you know, your, your Travis Kelsey's, your George Kittles, you know, the, the guys that everyone knows their name right now. Um, th- this is the guy right now that has the best shot. This Kyle Pitts is the next great prospect. Um, and you should be looking at him as soon as your top tier running backs, wide receivers and quarterbacks are off the board. Yeah, for sure. This one kind of hits home for me too. Cause Kyle Pitts is a local kid to the Philadelphia area. Um, he's from like the Bucks County Wormans area. He went to Archbishop Wood. Um, you said it all. I mean, his size, he's a nightmare for linebackers if they if a linebacker gets matched up for him. Um, and I actually do think he produces day one. I think landing spots gonna be key for Kyle Pitts. Um, you know, everybody's comparing him to Darren Waller, which I think is spot on. I don't think you could you know, I think that's the perfect comparison as far as size, speed. Um, he's gonna be a nightmare. Um this kid's going to, you know, I think he's got the longevity too because of the size and everything. Uh, he's had some injuries, yeah, in college, but outside of that, um, he's athletic. 
he's got great hands. I think he's got 11 touchdowns. I know you said double digits. Yeah, I think he's got 11 touchdowns in like five games. Um, so the guy's an absolute stud. Um, there, there's, and when you said, I'm sorry, seven games, 11, uh, 11 touchdowns in seven games. Um, I, I, I want to, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but when you say riser, I don't think he gets any higher than the tight end one. But I think when you're saying riser, I think a lot of people think like, you know, I'm not taking a tight end in the first round of my rookie super flex draft. This tight end, you can. Yep. Am I wrong? Am I wrong by assuming that's what you're saying here? Nope that that is 100. I think I've got him right now, um, <clears throat> sitting at 1.08. I mean, so. there you go. Like that, there tells you all like what the what you could possibly be getting in this guy. Because you know, I, I don't remember the last time a tight end was taken in the first round of a rookie draft of a super flex league. It's just it, it's it's unheard of. Um, and I just think sky's the limit for this kid. I think I'm real interested to see where he ends up. Like I said, because he's a hometown kid, he's ten minutes away from where I'm at, so I'm in Philly, and he's right outside of Philly. It's, you know, I remember reading about him in papers. So, real curious to see where he ends up, though. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, so, who do you have next, Nick? Who's who's your next riser? Okay, for uh, my second riser is actually a guy you mentioned earlier, Chris Olave, wide receiver for Ohio State, six one, one ninety, nice size, perfect size. I think, um, think I think he was just named to. Uh, the wide receiver, number one wide receiver for the uh, Big Ten, uh, all Big Ten team. I think both uh, wide receivers for Ohio State were both him and Garrett Wilson, if I'm not mistaken. But five games this season, 36 receptions, 528 yards, and five touchdowns. I will preface that, preface that with the fact that he's fumbled five times and lost two of them. Um, not, I mean, I think that's something he can correct, but – um, I think you mentioned you have him in your top 10, probably in your top six. That's about where I have him. Um, I kind of had him right around the 10, 11 spot preseason. And he's just elevated into that and, and you know, broke through that for me. Um, another guy who's just super talented on a great team with a great quarterback thrown to him. But I think he can produce at the next level. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm looking right now. I, I uh, actually... Right before the show, I bumped him up to wide receiver five, uh, right ahead of Rondale Moore. So, you know, there's a little bit of the explanation on uh, Moore falling, and totally love your call on Olave rising. Um, I mean, like you said, he's just a great wide receiver prospect. Um, you know, every year I've watched a couple OSU games, and it's, you know, it's always Olave that is making those catches where I'm like, wait a second, who was that? You know, have to double check, pull up the roster. Um, and yeah, he's, he's been on my radar now for a few years. Um, just love his game. I, like you said, he's fumbled a little bit, but I, I honestly think that's something that NFL coaches will work with him on. Um, you know, it's a learnable skill to, you know, hold the ball high and tight after you've got it. Um, and he's just one of those guys who has been playing around high caliber players at OSU. He knows what's expected. Um, I think NFL teams are going to look at it. No, this guy's a winner. Um, you know, bring him in to contribute in their wide receiver room. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's another guy who runs good routes, crisp routes. And, and I think that's what a lot of NFL scouts are looking for now. You know, case in point, Jerry Judy last year, they said he was a superior route runner. Um, so I think that helps these wide receivers moving forward. Hey, let me run crisp routes. You know what I mean? The, the hands will come, the speed will come. But crisp routes, I think, is, you know, if you if you can run nice routine routes and be on point and timing for your quarterback that says a lot about your game and i think that's what nfl teams are looking for yep 
So I'll, I'll go on with my final riser, um, and that's going to be running back Javante Williams out of North Carolina. Uh, he is 5'10", 220, so pretty nice size, um, and has really come on the last two years. Um, just looks really, really good, um, and I've been really impressed with the North Carolina offense as a whole. Um, they've really been coming together as a unit, just scoring a ton of points. Um, I will say Javante's stats look a little uh, wonky. He, he's already scored 19 touchdowns this year, so uh, you know I'm going to discount that a little bit because um, they, they've got a, a second guy, Michael Carter, who's kind of matching him in terms of yardage production. Um, but Javante Williams is the guy who's been getting all the touchdowns. But uh, he, he's got the the size you want. He's been used in the passing game while still splitting with Michael Carter, who is going to get an opportunity in the NFL. Um, so, I mean, it, it's not like he's losing touches to someone who's just not an NFL caliber player. Um, and I'm just really excited to see where he lands, because if he can get somewhere where they don't tend to use a committee, um, I think he could be really, really special in the right role you know not not i'm not saying he's an elite talent like generational talent or anything but he would be very very capable if he gets the workload yeah for sure and if you if anybody listening hasn't watched any film on javante williams i highly recommend you do it um the guy's a beast um he's a problem for teams um I don't know if you're, you you have a picture of him or if you could pull up a picture of him, Will, but look at the size of his neck. I don't know what size his neck is, but it's as wide as his head. Um, he's just – he's very physical. He's a physical downhill runner. Um, I, you know, I get what you're saying with the Michael Carter thing, I, and I think it's very, you know, uh, unique or uh, impressive to see that North Carolina is probably going to have two running backs taken uh, within the – within day two of the NFL draft. So I, I think that's something, you know, to be said and to be mentioned for the North Carolina Tar Heels in their program. Anything else you want to add for that, Will? Uh, I mean, honestly, I know we've been talking about it offline a little bit, so I, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, can you let the listeners know, where do you have him in the, the 2021 rookie running back rankings? I actually have him as my RB4. Um, yeah, there that, you go. That's that may be surprising to people. Um, but I just think, I mean, he's definitely jumped over guys like Chuba Hubbard for me. Um, but for me, another guy we're not going to talk about him tonight, but another guy who rose up for me is uh Jamar Jefferson, uh, Oregon State running back. So for me, Javante Williams and Jamar Jefferson kind of like moved into that four or five area. Um, and leapfrog got leapfrog guys like Chuba Hubbard, um, CJ Verdell, like, you know, guys along that spectrum, um, which I have Kenneth Gainwell three, um, full disclosure and the guy he opted out cause of COVID, but he's another guy, go watch film and highlights on him. And you're just going to be like, Oh my God, the guy's unbelievable. Um, so I know it kind of seems unfair to Williams and Jefferson that, you know, as far as my rankings are concerned, that I didn't jump them over a guy who hasn't played this season, but. Like I said, um, watch Gainwell and tell me what you think. And like I said, depending on his landing spot, the guy can be a three-down back and producing at Alvin Kamara type uh, numbers. Yeah, I mean, you you hit on exactly the struggles that I think everyone's going through right now. Is you know how do you compare these players where 
some of them haven't really played this year. Some of them played a couple games and opted out. Some of them have been playing the entire season. Uh, and I mean, fantasy managers are going to be struggling with that. NFL teams are struggling with that as they're trying to evaluate for the draft. Um, so again, it's one of those where just really pay attention to who gets draft capital, you know, who slides, who, who goes earlier than expected. Um, and, and, really factor that into your rankings this year because that's going to tell you a lot about how much opportunity the team and, and risk the team wants to take with that player. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really happy with what I've seen from Javante Williams. Um, I mean, Gainwell, I obviously haven't really seen anything lately. Um, but, yeah, last year, I mean, he was getting touches with Antonio Gibson, and, you know, Gib- Gibson turned out all right. So, um I'm not going to complain too much about Gainwell not playing this year, uh, especially at a position where, you know, some of the knock on guys can be that they, they get a little bit too much tread on the tires. So, you know, it may turn out to be a good thing for the run to have the year off. Yeah, it'll, it'll definitely remain to be seen. But, uh, you know, I'm excited about it. Be excited to see where, you know, some of these players end up. Um, you know, it's like you mentioned at the top of the show, like some 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 of our listeners are out of – as far as their, their league playoffs and stuff like that. So they're kind of looking forward to like on the dynasty end, as far as like incoming, uh, excuse me, incoming uh, rookies. Um, And I usually get excited at that point. Like, you know, yeah, it sucks. You're out and you're not going to win, you know, your, your league championship. Um, But now's the time to look forward and start starting up on rookies. So, you know, I kind of get excited for that every year. All right. So I'm rambling. I'm sorry, but uh, my final riser and, the reason he's, you know, a lot of people are going to think, oh, well, he couldn't rise much higher, but he's officially my wide receiver one now, um, and that's Devonta Smith, Alabama wide receiver. Um, this past week against Arkansas, yeah, he only had three receptions for 22 yards, but if you saw the punt return for a touchdown, um, you can get a grasp of how explosive this guy is. Does his size scare me? Yeah, a little bit. He's 6'1", 175, so... He's on a small frame. He's got the height, but, you know, he, he could put some weight on. And I think he will do that during the offseason and, you know, as he enters as a rookie. But I've seen this guy take some big hits and get right up. Um, you know, he's my wide receiver one. He's jumped Jamar Chase for me. Um, I mean, the, going over, if you look at his stats, four of his last five games, Eight receptions, 231 yards, three touchdowns. Seven receptions, 171 yards, two touchdowns. Nine receptions, 144 yards, two touchdowns. 11 receptions, 203 yards, four touchdowns. And that's against competition like Mississippi State, Auburn, and LSU. So the, the kid can play. Um, I'm excited to see where he goes and, you know, what his career turns into because, you know, all you've heard all year from a lot of analysts and, and, and other people is his size, his size, his size. This kid can play, and he can take a beating. I've seen it, um, I, I, you know, like I mentioned, and I, and I think he's ready for the NFL. And he's uh, For me, he's a wide receiver one. He Actually, at this point, with this production and the season he's put in, I think I would forego a running back and a super flex, and he'd probably be the 103 for me. <clears throat> wow. Okay. Um, I, I will admit I'm not ready to go there yet, but, uh, I'm on board with the, uh, the analysis you've given there. Um, one of the things that I actually really like to kind of pay attention to is special teams. Um, these guys, you know, these running backs and these wide receivers, uh, you know, it's great to put up 
production from a receiving standpoint or for running back, you know, the rushing production. But uh, when coaches decide that you are so valuable that they need to get you a few extra touches by putting you in on punt returns, kick returns, um, it, it really says something to your ability because uh, they know th- those are the ones where you can break a big play and potentially swing a game. So when you see that, especially at the high-level programs where you know, you, you've got other athletes all around you, uh, if you're being selected to be out there returning kicks, um, you know you've got something special. And the other thing about Devonta Smith, um, you know, now that Jalen Waddle is out with an ankle, uh, was, sorry, with an ankle or an ACL? No, yeah, it was his ankle. Okay. Um, he uh, so now he's out. Everyone knows where they want to go with the ball. They know they want to throw it to Devonta Smith. It it's not stopping him. So, like you said, they're they're playing good competition. He's by far their top option in the pass game, and he's still doing it. So he he's one of those guys. Um, I'm not ready to move him above Chase after what Chase did last year. But I mean, he he's right there. They're you know one A one B. I've probably got him in the one hundred five one hundred six spot right now, and I could definitely see him inching up into the you know solidifying in that one hundred five, and then we'll see the combine uh, about whether I need to start thinking long and hard about moving him ahead of Jamar Chase. Which which I'm glad you bring that up because I think that's interesting as far as us and our our content moving forward as far as rankings and stuff like that is that the combine is going to change everything you know what i mean um so you know i'm super grateful that listeners appreciate the content we're going to provide but i just want listeners to keep in mind that like this is stuff stuff that can change and it is volatile especially depending on the combine the combine has changed stock for a lot of players oh uh, yeah absolutely i think the key here is just as, as we're talking through guys, this is a good spot to go out. And, and if you haven't watched film a lot in the past, realize it's really, really easy to find film on these guys. You can go out to YouTube um, and just search the player's name. And, you know, you'll, you'll find videos that are specific players. They are. It is the plays that go to them back to back to back on YouTube. So you don't have to sit through and watch, you know, an entire game you will literally just see the plays that they get the ball or that they do something in a game. Uh, so, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're getting down to 10 minutes to watch a game, if that, you know, and you can get a much better sense of, you know, who this player is, what's his play style, you know, what, what traits really stick out as you're watching. Uh, and you don't have to dedicate, you know, spending all of your time all season trying to catch every single game possible. Um, so, you know, you can kind of start with your rankings, um, you know, get some input, you know, hopefully you're listening to us, get some names that you like, go out and and watch some film and then make your own decisions. You know, right now we've got, uh, I kind of mentioned, I've got a top three receiver tier with Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, go out and search those guys and take a look at how they play and and make your own calls for, you know, who do you have one, two and three? Cause you know, we're, we're putting a number on it, but like we said, they're all in the same tier. They're all going to be great. Um, they, you know, there's not a lot separating these guys, so it, it can become personal preference. Yeah, for sure. And I think at this point, for me and you, like we're just kind of name dropping right now. Yeah, we're throwing rankings, but for us, that's our personal thing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not telling anybody, hey, you got to go take Javante Williams, fourth running back. You know, like, yeah, definitely. I, I like what you're saying. Go watch film. 
go see for yourself and then kind of, you know, preface the spot where you want, you know what I mean? Um, everybody looks at, you know, players differently. We all value differently, but I think now for us to be able to name drop, I think that's, you know, our goal right now and to give some, you know, give people some content on each player. Yeah, totally agree. And I mean, just because we say someone should be somewhere doesn't have to be. But folks, remember, as you're listening to this, when they come back and they win you a fantasy title, you got to drop <laughs> us props. There you go. Remember where you heard it from. <laughs> All right. So that's going to do it for our Debbie Risers and Fallers episode. Uh, we hope we, we got you some names out there that maybe you hadn't been paying attention to or uh, gave you some guys to, to watch out for, uh, avoid some landmines in your drafts. Uh, but we'll be back next week with some more content. Uh, good luck with anyone still in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, until next time, uh, you can find me at William Urian and Nick. Where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me at fantasy underscore mechanic on Instagram, as well as on Twitter at fbfb mechanic. I'm sorry. No worries. Uh, in the meantime, you know, check out the stuff over at weknowfantasy.com. Uh, keep an eye out for our podcasts, and we will talk to you next week. Good luck, people. <laughs>